You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Amen. Well, this morning we have the opportunity to open God's Word, and we're going to be in the book of 2 Samuel this morning. Uh, 2 Samuel. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I would just invite you to open it there. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 22. And the message this morning is pretty simple title. It's Grounded in Our Perfect Refuge. And this morning we are going to look at uh, just a few verses that were written by David written by David towards the end of his life, uh, after David had walked through many trials, many difficulties, uh, many of his own errors and sins and failures, but also many different trials in life, David wrote these three verses found in 2 Samuel 22, verses 31 through 33. And as you're turning there, I just want to ask you one simple, but I think profound question. How do you respond in your life when you're in the middle of a crisis situation? How do you respond when you find yourself in a time of difficulty, in a time of trouble? And the other question that I would like to put alongside of that is is this question. What is it that brings turmoil into your life? What is it that gets you off kilter? What is it that uh, gets you to that place where you're feeling spiritually disoriented? You know, what causes you to struggle? What causes you to wrestle? What causes you to feel weighed down, doubting, discouraged, maybe even coming to the point of despair? What is that? Listen, we all struggle in one way or another with one thing or another. And this morning, I want to look at this short passage in in 2 Samuel 22. The reason I want to look at it is because I believe that here there are three simple truths that if we will grab a hold of these in our lives, in times of crisis, in times of trouble, we can have a completely different response than what would be humanly natural. And here in 2 Samuel chapter 22, David, he looks back, he reflects on God's past mercies in his life. He recounts all of God's goodness over the years. He remembers how God has been so faithful to him in the past. And at the end of his life, he looks back and he writes these words. 2 Samuel, I hope you're there with me. Chapter 22, verses 31 through 33. At the end of, towards the end of David's life, he writes these words. He says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge. And he has made my way blameless. Awesome words. These are awesome words. I know as I looked at this passage this week, I was so encouraged, so encouraged by the truths in it. And maybe these words, as I read them to you, you're thinking, you know, this sounds familiar. I feel like I've heard this somewhere else in the Bible. And if you were thinking that, then yes, you're right. You know, you can also find a very, very similar words in Psalm 18. 
So Psalm 18 has very similar words written by David. It's really an adaptation of the words that are written in 2 Samuel 22, an adaptation that could be sung by all of Israel as a psalm to the Lord. But here in 2 Samuel, David includes a little bit more. In, in, in the psalm, in Psalm 18, he kind of stops and, and doesn't share as much about the Lord being his refuge as he shares right here. And so as we dig into this this morning, I just want us to see three very simple but profound truths. Three truths that I really believe that if we lay hold of them in our lives, if we walk them out every single day, they will transform the way that we think, they will transform the way that we feel, they will transform the way that we act, and the way that we respond to the living God. Here's the first truth that we need to see this morning, coming right out of this text, right out of verse 31. Our God is perfect in all his ways. Our God is perfect in all his ways. Notice verse 31a. This God, David says, his ways are perfect. They're perfect. They're flawless. There's never a flaw in any of his ways. I just want you to notice this first of all. Right here, as we, as we think about this, as we look at this, I want you to remember that God is perfect in all of his attributes. God is perfect in all of his attributes. Now, if we were to list out and define all of the attributes of God, there would be way more than we could even cover and begin to cover in this message, that's for sure. But I just wanted to list uh, just four attributes of who God is that I found especially encouraging this week. As we walk through times of difficulty right now, as we walk through times of isolation, as we walk through times where we feel alone and we can easily feel disoriented, spiritually disoriented, these are four truths that encouraged my heart. Maybe they're not going to be the four truths that encouraged your heart or the four attributes that encouraged your heart. Tell you what, this week on your own, you know, do a study of the attributes of God. Let that be your devotional time. Grab a copy of maybe A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy or grab another copy of Praying the Attributes of God and, and take, take time to really go through and look at what the attributes of God are and let your heart and soul be encouraged and nourished in him. But here's, here's four that I believe are awesome. Here's the first one. Our God is eternal. Our God is eternal. Listen, God is perfect in all of his attributes. And for God to be perfect in all of his attributes, that means that he must be eternal. I love the way that Isaiah 40, verse 28, captures this. He says, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. The Lord is eternal. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He has no beginning of days. He has no end of days. Isn't that amazing? Can you wrap your head around that? I can't. I can't get my head around that at all. But it's an awesome truth that we receive and we accept by faith. Here's the second one. God is immutable. He's immutable. He doesn't change. He's, he's not shifting. He's not wavering. He's not, you know, back and forth. He's not uh, having one plan and then coming up with another. He's not shifting in his love towards us, his people. I love what Malachi 3 verse 6 says. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. 
Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Did you catch that? The, the basis for God's love for us, the basis that we can trust that God will be gracious to us in the future is because the Lord does not change, because he is immutable. He is everlasting. He is immutable. He does not change. But then also this, he's omniscient. He's omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows all things. Listen, God does not have blind spots. God does not have blind spots. You know, you're driving down the highway and you go to change lanes and you've checked your mirrors and everything and all of a sudden you look over and there's a car in your blind spot. Yeah, God doesn't have that in life. God doesn't have that in his character. He sees everything at one glance. He knows everything at one glance. All knowledge, all wisdom belong to him. The Lord is omniscient. Isaiah 40, 28 again, the second part of the verse. It says, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Isn't that awesome? Our God, his understanding is unsearchable. Our God is eternal. Our God does not change. And our God knows all things. How awesome is that? But not only that, our God is also omnipresent. He's present everywhere. And this is an amazing truth, and it's captured in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, as the psalmist writes, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? I, if, I, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Listen, that is an amazing, amazing truth for our hearts. There is nowhere that we can run to escape God's presence, but not only can we not escape God's presence, but he is there to lead us. He is there to guide us. Notice the end of verse 10 again. Even there your hand shall lead me, even there your right hand shall hold me. So we're in a pandemic right now. But God is still on the throne. God has not forsaken his people. God has not left his people. God has not uh, stopped guiding and leading and carrying his people because even here right now, his hand shall lead us. Even here right now, his right hand shall hold us. Listen, brothers and sisters, our God is perfect in all of his attributes. He's perfect in all of his attributes. Now, this doesn't just mean that our God is morally perfect. He is morally perfect, but it goes far beyond moral perfection as David speaks about this. It goes far beyond just God's moral perfection, that God doesn't mess up, that he doesn't do anything wrong. In fact, God's perfection is really, it's a summary attribute, theologians call it. It's a summary attribute. That means it's an attribute that infuses all of his other attributes. Just try to wrap your head around that for a moment. God is perfect in holiness. God is perfect in love. God is perfect in justice. God is perfect in righteousness. God is perfect in mercy. God is perfect in goodness. God is perfect in knowledge. God is perfect in wisdom. And all at the same time. Wow. That's incredible. You know, on, on, on the very best day, uh, I can hope to be moderately balanced in some of these things for some of the time. 
That's, that's my best day, okay? Just being honest with you. Um, moderately balanced in some of these things to a certain degree some of the time. But God is perfect in all of these things all of the time to full capacity. That should just blow us away. That should cause our hearts and our lives just right now just to, just to bow down and worship to say, wow, God, wow, you are incredible. Wow, God, you are beautiful. Wow, God, you are amazing. You would love me when you are all of these things. That's amazing. But listen, that's not all that we need to see right here in verse 31. We need to notice something else that David says. I want you to notice the particular words that he chooses here. He says, this God, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. Not that God is just morally perfect. Not that God is just perfect in all of his attributes. But his way is perfect. His plans are perfect. His actions are perfect. He is perfect in all of these things. He's perfect in his sovereignty. Yes, he's still on the throne today. Praise God for that. He's perfectly reigning and ruling over all things. There is nothing that is outside of his control. That is an awesome truth today, isn't it? Praise the Lord. I love what, what Charles Spurgeon writes about this uh, in his commentary on Psalm 18, the treasury of David. He says this. He says, far beyond faults and errors are God's dealings with his people. All his actions are resplendent with justice, truth, tenderness, mercy, holiness. God's every way is complete And all his ways put together are matchless in harmony and goodness. It should console us to know that he who has begun begun to bless will perfect his work, for all his ways are perfect. Did you get that? Isn't that amazing? That the fact that God is perfect shouldn't cause us to run away from God. The fact that God is perfect should give us great comfort and great joy. Because if God is perfect in all of his ways, if God is perfect in everything that he does, then he will lead us. He will lead us in our spiritual journey to completion. He will bring it about in Christ Jesus because God is perfect in all of the things that he does. And he's sovereign over all. That's awesome and encouraging to my heart. I love what Job says about God's sovereignty, the fact that in times of trouble, God is still on the throne. Job, you know, after wrestling with God's sovereign plan over his life and the suffering that unfolded in his life, and if you're not sure about that, go back and read the book of Job carefully and and just see how God's hand was at work in that book and read the book of Job. And in Job 42, verse 2, Job says this. Job has been wrestling and wrestling with the Lord, and Job has been receiving counsel from from friends that, you know, at at times were not good counselors at all. But Job says this as as he gets low before the Lord. He says, I know that you can do all things, God. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's Job's reaction after everything that comes into his life. Listen, brothers and sisters, God is not wavering. God is not um, trying to come up with a new plan of action. God is not coming up with a, a plan C, okay? God's on the throne. He's on the throne today. He's sovereign over all things today. 
He's not changing. He's not wavering. There's no shadow of turning in him. I love how James uh, captures this in James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's our God. Our God is perfect in all of his attributes. Our God is perfect in all of, our, all of his ways. Our God is perfect in everything that he does. Every plan of his will be brought about to completion. And there is no shifting shadow or, or shadow or variation due to change in him. He's perfect. And that should be a great comfort to each one of us. This God, our God, His way is perfect. We can find great hope and great comfort as we look at those words, as we remember this God, not only this God, but our God, my God is perfect in all of his ways. Listen, if that is true, then the second thing that comes right out of this text follows very naturally. The second thing that we see here in verse 31, um, 31b, is that the word of the Lord proves true. That's the, the second point that we need to understand. If, if we're going to learn to, to run to the Lord, to take refuge in him, the first thing that we need to understand is that our God is perfect in all of his ways. But then the second thing that we need to remember is that his word proves true in every season. Notice verse 31b. The word of the Lord proves true. I want you to notice that there's no qualifier on this verse. There's no brackets or anything after that say, except when this happens, except when uh, the world is in turmoil, except when uh, you can't figure out what to do next and you're not sure what to do. There's no qualifier on this verse. God's word proves true in every season. It's just as true today as it was yesterday, as it was two years ago. It's just as true right now, wherever we find ourselves, as it was 10 years ago, as it was 2,000 years ago. God's word proves true over and over again. I love the way that that David writes this. He doesn't just say that God's word is true. That would be a very truthful statement about God's word. We would all agree that God's word is true. But that's not what David says here. He says that God's word proves true, that it actually comes about in the real details of life, that God's word proves itself to be true over and over again. And as David looks back on his life, as he looks back on how God has been so faithful to him over the course of his life, he says, wow, Lord, your ways are perfect. Your word proves true. It's proved true every single day, every single season. Just consider David's life for a moment. Consider the challenges that he faced. Consider David when he was hiding in the caves from Saul, who was raging after him, sending his armies out to kill him. Consider David as he was warring against the Philistines. Consider David that even his sons would rise up and try to take the throne and take the kingdom through violence. Consider all the trouble that David faced in his life. Consider even David's own failure, his own sin, his own sin with Bathsheba, and then Uriah sending him into the front lines of the battle. Consider everything that David had been through. And then David looks back over his life and says, God, your word, 
Your word proves true in every season. That is an awesome truth, brothers and sisters. We need to get our hearts around that one. I don't think so much we just need to get our heads around it. We need to get our hearts around it. We need to believe that deep down inside. That God's word proves true. That I can test God's word in a healthy way through faith right now. I can test God's word and God will prove his word to be true in my life. Listen, I just want to ask you a question right now. Maybe it's one that you haven't really thought of too much, but it's a good one to think about. What scriptures are you tempted in this moment to doubt what, what scriptures in this moment are you tempted to set aside? What scriptures in this moment maybe you're tempted to reinterpret, to just waver on? No, I'm, I'm not sure that means what I thought it meant, or I'm not sure that that applies to me right now in this situation. What scriptures are you tempted to doubt? What truths from God's word are you even right now struggling to believe? Listen, I would say it is those truths that you need to run to the Lord with. It's those truths that you need to pray, Lord, give me faith to trust your word because your word has proven true over and over again. It's proven true through the centuries. It's proven true in my life. Look back on your own life and look at God's faithfulness towards you. Remember his past mercies so that you can find hope and you can find help and you can find faith to move forward. Listen to what scripture says about itself. Isaiah 40, verse 8 again. It says this, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord God, of our God, will stand forever. The grass withers, the flower fades. Things in this life just die and disappear, but the word of our God will stand forever. Jesus, in Luke 21 After telling his disciples about the signs of the times, Jesus said to his disciples, and this is how solid God's word is, he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. Wow, God's word, God's word proves true in every season. Listen, God's word is not fickle like our moods. God's word is not, you know, wavering like our political leaders. God's word is not back and forth and all over the place. God's word is a rock, a solid rock. Listen, brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage you. A pandemic is not a good time to embrace a new theology in any way. A pandemic is not a good time to shift on truths of God's word that you have held on to and clung to for years. A pandemic is a great time to reconsider, to be sharpened in your understanding of God's word, but don't waver on it. Don't turn back on it. Don't reinterpret the truths that you clung to a year and a half ago. Don't do that. It's not a good time to embrace what what I've heard called pandemic theology. Listen, pandemic theology, really, you know, if you take the the dem out of it, what do you have, right? You have panic theology. Let's just panic and come up with something, you know, and just run over top of the Bible. Not a good time to do that. Why? Because God's word is true. God's word is true in every single season of our lives. God's word is just as true today as it was a year and a half ago. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. Listen, this God His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true, David says. I've seen it in my own life. I can testify to that. But then he goes on to say this. 
Based on those first two truths, that one, God is perfect, that two, his word proves true, he says this, and he is a shield for all who will take refuge in him. He is a shield for all who will take refuge in him. Listen, brothers and sisters, because God is perfect in all of his ways, because God is perfect in all of his plans, in all of his actions, because his word will prove true over and over and over again, Therefore, therefore, because of those things, God is able to be our perfect refuge in times of trouble. Listen, if God was not perfect in all of his ways, he couldn't be our refuge. He wouldn't be a worthy refuge. Listen, if God's word did not prove true, then he wouldn't be a worthy, a trustworthy refuge. But because his word does prove true, because he is perfect, he can be our perfect refuge, no matter what the season, no matter what the time of trouble. Listen, this is our third point right here. This is our third point right here. He is our strong refuge in times of trouble. He is our strong refuge in times of trouble. Let's just look back at this whole passage once more. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God, my strong refuge, and has made my way blameless. Listen. Our God is a strong refuge today. He's a strong refuge tomorrow. He's a strong refuge a year from now. Who knows what a year from now will bring? Yes, we're definitely hopeful that things will maybe be back to normal in some ways, but but God's a refuge whether it is. God's a refuge whether it isn't. Again, let me ask you the question that we asked at the beginning of this message. Let's go back to that question What is it in your life? What is it that causes you to get off the rails? What is it that causes you to get spiritually disoriented in your life? What is it that causes you to struggle? Now let me add another question to that question. Hopefully you know what some of those things are, but let me ask you this as well. What do you do when you find yourself in that place? What do you do? Do you just kind of, you know, deal with it? Do you just kind of try to run away from it? Do you just pretend it's not there? Um, Do you just kind of give up your hands, just throw up your hands and nothing I can do, it's hopeless anyway? Listen, there are so many things in this world. There are so many emotions in our lives, feelings in our lives, things in this world that preach a false gospel to us about false refuge. There are so many things in this world that do this. There are so many lies out there that float around in our heads and and in the headlines that, that preach a message about false refuge that say you can find hope and you can find refuge over here. And when you get there, you find out that it's empty. You find out that it's not a refuge, that it's a lie. Listen, just three lies, three lies of false refuge right now. Three lies of false refuge. The first is the lie of escapism. You know, if I, just, if I just run away from this, it'll get better. If I just escape in one way or another. If I, you know, run from this problem to this substance, to uh, this TV show, to this thing, whatever it might be, my life will feel better. My life will get better. The lie 
of escapism is a false refuge. Second, the lie of fear. The lie of fear. The lie of fear says just, you know, stick your head in the sand. Just hide your head in the sand. Just do the ostrich thing, right? Or just roll over and play possum. Just, you know, pretend you're dead. And just, then it'll all go away. That's not going to happen. I think we'd all love to just take a really long nap and wake up and have, you know, this whole pandemic thing be over, right? We'd love to do that. I've, I've attempted to do that. Doesn't work, okay? That's not going to happen. But the lie of fear says just, just, just cover your eyes and it'll go away and you'll be okay. Like, like a young child that's afraid. They just cover their eyes and whatever it was would go away. Well, that, that obviously doesn't work. That doesn't change reality. But the lie of fear is a false refuge. It provides us an illusion of hope without offering any substance. And then third, the lie of hopelessness. Are you buying into that one today? The lie of hopelessness. Well, there's nothing I can do. It's all hopeless anyway. I guess maybe just try to wait it out and pick up whenever everything's over. Just give up. Listen, today is discouragement and doubt preaching a false gospel to your heart, saying, you know, it's better just to give up. It's going to be easier just to, just to give up and just to forget about, you know, all of these hard things right now. Listen, if that's what's happening, never give up. Never give up. Why? Because your God, your God is perfect in all of his ways. Because his word proves true in every season. And because he is a refuge for everyone who will run to him. He is a strong refuge. He is a perfect refuge. And not only that, the Lord knows exactly what each of us needs even before we need it. That's how awesome our God is. Just think about what God is doing right now in the middle of this time. Think about what God is doing in your life even right now. Just think back and look at it for a second. Look at how God is refining you. Look at how God is even just changing your heart. I know he's been changing my heart in the middle of all of this and forcing me to a place where I set my eyes on him and look to him more frequently and more closely and cling to him and, and enjoy him and delight in him and hunger for the things that he has said are good. God's been doing that in my life right now and I see how God has been refining me in the middle of this. And you know, sometimes that refining process, sometimes you know, the junk comes out first, right? Sometimes kind of like, you're just like, you're in the middle of that refining process and it's, it's like you're in the fire and, you know, your reaction is not the godly reaction and then you look back on that and think, you know, why did I respond that way? What am I, what am I doing, right? And then you start to see how rattled your own heart is and how weak you actually are. And then by God's grace, you turn your eyes and you look to him and you realize your own weakness and you call out to him for his strength. Listen, that's what it means to go to God as your refuge. You invite him to be the one who guards you, who protects you, who shields you, who cares for you. And just think about how God is refining you right now. Think about how God is refining us as a church even. I love what John Newton wrote about this. He said, he, he penned these words in one of his hymns. He said, these inward trials I design, speaking for the Lord. These inward trials I design from sin and self to set you free. To break your schemes for earthly joy that you might find your all in me. Listen, God is doing those things in our lives right now. God is doing those things in our world. But I want you to look back again 
to 2 Samuel chapter 22. And look at, look at the verses again. And I want you to see with clear eyes how David describes the Lord as his refuge. David doesn't think of God as his refuge as, as some far off distant existential thought. David sees God as his refuge, as tangible, as right there, as a strong defender. Notice he uses the word shield. He describes God as his shield. Wouldn't that illustration be so true in David's life? Think about all the times David on the run from Saul and from his enemies and the way that God shielded him, defended him, protected him. God is our only defense, David could say, absolutely, he's my only defense, that's for sure, and I've seen it here and here and here and here in my life. Listen, God is more than sufficient to guard you and protect you in this season if you'll trust him. But notice that David doesn't just call the Lord his shield. He doesn't just stop there. He also refers to the Lord as his rock. Our God is a firm foundation underneath our feet, brothers and sisters. Don't doubt that. Don't waver on that. Our God is a firm foundation. He's a rock underneath our feet. In the days of trouble and turmoil, our God is a rock. His way is perfect. His word is true. He is a refuge for everyone who will run to him. And he's a rock that cannot be shaken by the tides and currents of our culture or the current moment that we live in. Listen. Just think about right now, right now, today. Where do you place your trust? Where do you put your trust today? Where do you find your hope today? Do you find hope in in political figures today? Do you find hope in medical experts today? Do you find, place your trust in the wealthy and powerful of this world? Listen, if you do, all of those things will fail. They'll all come crumbling down, every single one of them. Do you place your hope and your trust in yourself today? I hope not. How often have you failed in your own life? You know, think about it for a moment. Each day, we're so tempted to trust ourselves, aren't we? We're so tempted to lean on our own understanding. We're so tempted to believe in ourselves in one way or another. But each day, You and I both give ourselves more empirical evidence for why we should never, ever, ever trust ourselves, yet somehow we turn a blind eye to it over and over again. I don't know what to call that other than insanity. It's what it is. If we do the same thing that fails over and over again and expect a different result, that's insanity, isn't it? But we do that. We trust in ourselves. We look to people. We look to ourselves to carry us through difficult times. No, no, that should not be what we do. Instead, we should turn to the Lord. I love what Psalm 118 says. I believe it'll be up on the screen. Psalm 118, verses eight and nine. Listen to this word of of encouragement. It's also a word of rebuke to us though, isn't it? It says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes, politicians, Whatever you want to describe that. It's better to take refuge in the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is our shield. The Lord is our rock. The Lord is our fortress. The Lord is perfect in all his ways. And the Lord, his word, proves true. He never wavers on it. He'll never default on it. He will always bring it to completion. I was so blessed earlier this week as I was 
um, just involved with our student ministry, and we were listening to a message uh, from Hope Oakville by Earl Marshall and a, a message about God being our refuge. And I thought, this is amazing. I'm going to be preaching on this this weekend. Um, and, and just so encouraged to hear uh, Earl talk about this verse from Nahum uh, 1, verse 7. Nahum 1, verse 7. Listen, this is an incredible promise. Okay, if you, if you haven't written anything else down, write, write this verse down right now. Nahum 1, verse 7. It says this, The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. So encouraged to hear that God, you know, doesn't just know about those who take refuge in him. Not like God has a list, you know, with a bunch of names on it. Oh yeah, uh, so-and-so. Yes, you take refuge in me. No, no, this verse says that God knows you. He knows you personally. He knows you as a friend. He knows your way. He leads you. He's with you. God is close to you. God knows those who take refuge in him. Listen, brothers and sisters. Today, the call, the call is based on the fact that God is perfect in all of his ways, based on the fact that his word proves true, based on the fact that he is a refuge. The call today is to seek the Lord. The call today is to seek the Lord, to strive to find your rest and peace in him. Don't strive to find it in the false refuges of this world, in in the lies of escapism, the lies of fear, the lies of hopelessness. They're not going to carry you through this time, but strive to find your rest and peace in the Lord. I love Matthew 11, 28. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. I think it's one of the greatest invitations in all of the Bible. And it's Jesus, our Lord, and he says this invitation. He, he invites all to come to him, and he says these words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you feel that today? Do you feel laboring? Do you feel heavy laden? Do you feel burdened and weighed down? Maybe information overload. Maybe just the difficulty of this time. Maybe your own sin and and your own failings. And Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, if you find yourself burdened today, if you find yourself struggling today, if you find yourself weighed down by the weight of the world, if you find yourself weighed down by the weight of your own sin, run to Jesus Christ. Run to the refuge. Run to the rock. Run to your Savior. Turn to him. Pour yourself out before him. I love how David finishes this passage right here in 2 Samuel 22. He says, this God is my strong refuge, and he has made my way blameless. This God is my strong refuge, and he has made my way blameless. How could David say that? We look back at David's life, and we know that David wasn't blameless. He was far from it. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart, but yet David was a sinful man. David failed miserably at times, How could David say that God had made his way blameless? Listen, don't be mistaken. David knew about his own guilt. 
David knew about his own guilt. He wrote Psalm 51, after all. Um, Go back and read it. A pretty clear and accurate representation of his own guilt before the Lord. But here, David is not relying on himself. David's not relying on himself to be blameless. David is relying on the saving grace of God that would wash away every sin and every stain from his life. He was counting on God to remove his sin from him as far as the east is from the west. That's what he's counting on. He's counting on this God who is perfect in all of his ways, this God whose word is perfect, this God who is his refuge to make his way blameless, to forgive his sin, to wash him, to cleanse him, and then to use him for his glory. Listen, today, if you're listening online and you know, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know what it means to have God as your refuge, as your perfect refuge, as your strong refuge, Listen, today is the day. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to bow your knee before him. Today's the day to humble your heart. Today's the day to confess your sin and your failure. To say, I'm guilty before you, God. My way is not blameless. My way is full of blame. But God, I know that you are the one who pardons the guilty. I know that you are the one who forgives. I know that you are the one who will pour out grace and mercy to forgive sin as far as the east is from the west and to welcome me into your presence. Listen, today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can't know what it means to have him as your refuge. But if you bow your knee to him today, if you humble your heart to him today, if by faith you receive his perfect work on the cross, For yourself, if you do that today, you will know the God who is the perfect refuge. You will know the God whose way is perfect, whose word is perfect, and who every single promise throughout all of scripture will be yes and amen to you in Jesus Christ. Today's the day of salvation. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, hey, here's the punchline for you. God is your refuge. God is your refuge. Run to him. Run to him just moment by moment, just flee to him today. Just thank him for being your refuge. Thank him for being your shield. Thank him for being your strong protector. And praise the Lord. Listen, brothers and sisters, having God as our refuge is not a, it's not a once and done type thing. It's not, I did that once before. It's, it's an active, ongoing uh, pursuit. It's a lifelong pursuit that requires faith every day to run to the Lord. You must trust the Lord enough to give him all of your hurts, all of your hardships, and then leave them in his sovereign hands, knowing that our God, this God, his way is perfect. Knowing that this God, his word proves true, and he is my perfect refuge every single day of my life. And listen, as you do that, as you run to the Lord in that way, joy will increase. Peace will increase. Rest will increase. Security will increase. The world could be burning down around you and you will have peace in the living God. Let's pray. Father, we praise you today. We praise you, Lord, knowing that you are our perfect refuge. Lord, we marvel at you today. Lord, there is no one like you. Perfect in all of your ways. Perfect in all of your attributes. Lord, how majestic you are, how beautiful you are, God. It boggles our minds to even try to understand how you can be perfect in love, yet perfect in justice at the same time. But God, we stand in awe of you today. And God, we thank you 
that you are not only our perfect refuge, but you have called us, you have invited us, you have even wooed us to run to you, Lord. You leave the invitation wide open, Lord. You beckon us to come. And so today, Lord, would we come by faith, looking to you, trusting you, believing in you, Lord, leaning on you, and calling out to you for strength. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your mercy in Jesus Christ. And we praise you in his name. Amen.